We, all of us, build houses for our dreams. The masonry and timber, the glass and tiles, a solid form wherein we see our hopes, a shelter and protection for our growth and flourishing. This house shall be a dwelling place for courage, for integrity, for love. Engendered, nourished by a family that speaks of we and means all humankind. These walls shall represent the privacy and dignity of individuals. The open doors are welcome to all people, all ages and all generations. The windows shall keep light of inquiry, illumined from outside and from within. May all words spoken here be born of love and energy rekindle in the hearts of those who dreamed this house, who plied the tools and paid the price to actualize the dream. May dreaming never cease for those within who know the world to be a troubled place, but dare to struggle with imperfectness towards that brighter hope, that better day. Let memories add warmth a heritage, a quilted patchwork stitched with history of kindliness, of daring for the good, of funny moments, of jokes and smiles and tears. For this is a precious place, as every home that shelters those who love and strive and share. Its blessing is in lives that meet within, in living, learning, caring, growing, sheltered here. These opening words by Dory Summers, they welcome all who are gathered here this morning for our Sunday service. Welcome to those who have joined in person here at Essex Church. Welcome to those who are joining us from far and wide via Zoom this morning. Whoever you are, however you are, wherever you are, you're welcome with us this morning just as you are. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Jane Blackall and I'm Minister with Kensington Unitarians. The title of our service this morning is Getting to Grips with Growth. It's a theme that was suggested by our very own David Carter and later on in this morning's service he'll be giving our address on spiritual growth, economic growth and their limits. Now we might think of ourselves as a community that's committed to spiritual and personal growth, growth in wisdom, in depth, in insight and skillfulness. At least that's what we might aspire to. But might those noble aspirations be somewhat in tension with other ideas about growth? particularly the economic and material growth which politicians so often speak of, growth which seems tied up with production and consumption. In this age when we are increasingly aware of environmental catastrophe, it would seem that humankind really does need to get to grips with growth. So with David's help, we're going to make a start on that this morning. But before we go any further, let's do what we often do. Let's make sure we're all really here. Our bodies have made it to the church building or to the laptop or the iPad, the Zoom room. Let's make sure our spirits have arrived as well. Ground ourselves as best we can. And you'll know best how to do that for yourself. You might want to put your feet on the floor. You might want to take a few conscious breaths or stretch out. If you've come in carrying anxiety or aggravation, perhaps you can gently set them aside for a while. Because we're here to worship 
to give an hour's attention to all that matters most in life. I'm going to light our chalice flame as I do each time we gather. It's a simple ritual that connects us in solidarity with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over, and it reminds us of the proudly progressive religious tradition of which this gathering is part. We light this chalice today as a people dedicated to personal and spiritual growth. May it burn away all those oppressions that we have been taught and glow instead with the humility of learning. May it reignite our dreams for a better world and kindle our joy for simple living. And may its warmth extend out into the forgotten alleyways of exclusion and bring us home to love to welcoming and to all the challenges and questions and the blessings of this beautiful path to becoming a beloved community. Time to sing. Our first hymn is in your purple books, if you're in the church, it's number 32, Earth Was Given as a Garden. It's a tune we sing quite often. We're a bit sparse, but sing up as best you can. If you're joining via Zoom, the words will be up on your screen to sing along at home. Feel free to sit or stand as you prefer. Earth was given as a garden.
So let's take all of our joys and concerns, both spoken and unspoken, into an extended time of prayer now. Prayer is based on some words by Lynn Cox. You might want to adjust your position if there's some position that makes you feel more prayerful, a posture that helps you to get into the right state of body and mind for us to pray together. Whatever helps you to be fully present here and now in this sacred time and space, connected to ourselves, each other, and that which lies within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being, we turn our full attention to you, the light within and without as we tune into the depths of this life and the greater wisdom to which and through which we are all intimately connected. Be with us now as we allow ourselves to drop into the silence and the stillness at the very centre of our being. We come together this morning and every Sunday morning as we each continue on our unique path through this life joining together to remember and reaffirm our commitment to our highest values and to the common good. Grant us the courage to continue on the journey, the courage to speak and to act for the well-being of others, ourselves, and this planet that we share. May we forgive ourselves and each other when our courage and our care fall short. And may we resolve to try again in love. Grant us hearts to love boldly, to embody our faith and our values each day in living words and deeds. May our hearts open to embrace humility, grace and reconciliation. Grant us the ability to learn and to grow to let the spirit of love and truth work its transformation upon us and within us. And grant us the spirit of radical hospitality, the willingness to sustain a dwelling place for the holy that resides in all being. And grant us a sense of being at peace in this world, even as we are in perpetual motion, tossed and turned by life's tempests. Let us cultivate together the strength to welcome every kind of gift life brings our way and all manner of ways to be on this journey together. And in a few quiet moments now, let us each look back over the week just gone to take stock. Reflect on the many everyday cares and concerns of our own lives and all those concentric circles of concern that ripple outwards till they enfold the entire world. All those lives which ultimately touch our own. Let's take a while to sit quietly in prayer with whatever's on our hearts this day.
And let us also take time to notice all the good that's happened in this past week. Those moments of uplift and delight, beauty and pleasure, acts of generosity and kindness that we have witnessed. All the hopes and dreams and possibilities that are bubbling up and reminding us that we are alive. There's lots to be grateful for. So let's sit quietly and give thanks. Spirit of life, God of all love, as this time of prayer draws to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness, and we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward now to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. Time to sing again. Our next hymn is uh, next door to the previous one, number 31 in the Purple Book, Earth is Gift of God's Creation. I, I'm not confident that we know this tune well, so I think Peter's going to play it through in full before we sing. Um, the words will be up on your screen as usual. Let's do our best because I think the words are absolutely lovely. Number 31, Earth is Gift of God's Creation.
The Laws of the Earth and the Laws of Economics by Donella Meadows. Donella Meadows was a prominent environmental thinker who became the principal author of the influential book on sustainability, The Limits to Growth, published in 1972. The following is an abridged version of a short piece she wrote on the same theme in the late 1990s. She died in 2001. The first commandment of economics is grow. Grow forever. Companies must get bigger. National economies need to swell by a certain percent each year. People should want more, make more, earn more, spend more, ever more. The first commandment of the earth is enough. Just so much and no more. Just so much soil. Just so much water. Just so much sunshine. Everything born of the earth grows to its appropriate size and then stops. The planet does not get bigger, it gets better. Its creatures learn, mature, diversify, evolve, create amazing beauty and novelty and complexity, but live within absolute limits. Now, when there's an inconsistency between human economics and the laws of planet Earth, which do you think is going to win? Economics says compete. Only by pitting yourself against a worthy opponent will you perform efficiently. The reward for successful competition will be growth. You will eat up your opponents one by one. And as you do, you will gain the resources to do it more. The earth says, keep your competition in bounds. Don't annihilate. Take only what you need. Leave your competitor enough to live. Wherever possible, don't compete. Cooperate. Pollinate each other. Create shelter for each other. Build firm structures that lift smaller species up to the light. Pass around the nutrients, share the territory. Some kinds of excellence rise out of competition. Other kinds rise out of cooperation. You're not in a war, you're in a community. Which of those mandates makes a world worth living in? Economics says use it up fast. Don't bother with repair. The sooner something wears out, the sooner you'll buy another. That makes the gross national product go round. Throw things out when you get tired of them. Get the oil out of the ground and burn it now. Make jobs so people can earn money, so they can buy more stuff and throw it out. Economics discounts the future. So a resource 10 years from now is worth only half of what it's worth now. Take it now, turn it into dollars. The earth says nonsense. Those invested dollars grow in value only if something worth buying grows too. The earth and its treasures will double in 10 years. What will you spend your double dollars on? If there is less soil, less oil, dirtier water, 
Fewer creatures, less beauty. The Earth's rule is give to the future. Lay up a fraction of an inch of topsoil each year. Give your all to nurture the young. Never take more in your generation than you give back to the next. We don't get to choose which laws, those of the economy or those of the earth, will ultimately prevail. We can choose which ones we will personally live under and whether to make our economic laws consistent with planetary ones or to find out what happens if we don't. Thanks, Chloe. So we're going to move into a time of meditation now. I'm going to share a short poem by the UU Minister, Reverend Teresa Soto. At first encounter, this might seem only tangentially connected to our theme, but it speaks of a deep truth. How the growth on which our lives depend so often starts from small, very small and humble beginnings. I've put the words of this poem on the back of your hymn sheet in case you want to read it again later. And they're on the church website. But I encourage you not to read them now. Just let it, let it happen to you now. But know that you've gotten to read later. Uh, and as I said, the, the, church, uh, the church website contains the service in full under the sermon section. So, so those of you joining online can also follow it later. We'll move from those spoken words into a few minutes of silence, which will end with the sound of a bell. And after that, we're going to hear some music from Abby and Peter to meditate. So let's each do what we need to do to get comfortable. Put down anything you don't need to be holding. Close your eyes if you like. The words, the music, they're an offering. Feel free to use this time to meditate in your own way. Part that is not water by Teresa Soto. The part of clouds that is not water, a piece is so tiny that no human eye can see them. They float so fast and easily that weather scientists identify them as aerosols. Don't, don't fall asleep because I said a science thing. I want you to remember that all around you, dust, atoms, tardigrades, and other tiny things that hold the world together are doing dances for you. Without that tiniest of dust specks in perfectly clean air, a cloud would struggle to ever form, which is true of anything that you want to grow. It must start small. There are people who would tell you that this chain reaction of events is one on which everything for them rises and then falls. The smallest dust, the cloud, the rain. Allows the earth to drink, to grow our food, to feed an ecosystem, to fill the rivers and lakes from which we drink. The part that is not water is the tiniest dot of dust. On this small and humble thing, we find that everything does rest.
I'll talk first mainly about spiritual growth, then economic growth, and finally make some points on the relationship between them. My approach has been shaped by considering spiritual growth together with economic growth. If I were talking about spiritual growth in general, there would be greater emphasis on practices that tap into our deep, still centers and on the interpersonal. The approach can be applied across many religions, working with a definition of a deep-seated and long-term increase in golden rule behave, ethical behavior, arising from an engagement in prayer and or meditation with a transcendent source, this might seem very abstract, so here's an example. The greatest or most important commandment found in all three synoptic gospels. Mark's version, based mainly on the message, chapter 12, is One of the teachers of religious law asked him, which is the most important of all the commandments? Jesus said the first in importance is, listen, Israel. The Lord your God is one, so love the Lord God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. And here is the second, love others as well as you love yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The second commandment is an expression of the golden rule, and the full love of the Lord God an example of engagement with a transcendent source. Expressions of the golden rule are found in the religious writings of ancient Egypt, India, China, Persia, and Rome, as well as the Hebrew scriptures and other religious and secular traditions. The golden rule can be stated in a positive form, as in the gospel example above, love others as well as you love yourself, or in a negative form, such as do not treat others in ways that you would not like to be treated. The interconnectedness of all life is now better understood through environmental science, and the understanding of others can grow from all other people to all living beings. Reverend Fergus O'Connor's article, All Creation Deserves the Golden Rule, in the Inquirer of 21st January this year, makes this point well, but uses expressions like all living beings and all sentient creatures and the animal world synonymously. Our care, our love for all living beings should obviously extend to plants on which we depend for food to eat and oxygen to breathe and through the interdependent web of life to fungi, bacteria, and simpler forms. How can we love these? Here, here are three of the many ways. One, 
giving them space to thrive and not allowing monocultures of food or other crops to dominate. On a smaller scale, if you have a garden, keeping a wild corner or area. Two, not polluting the land, rivers and seas. Seas and oceans cover about 71% of planet Earth's surface and our lives depend on them in some little known ways. At least half of the oxygen we breathe is produced there, mostly by tiny green photosynthesizing plankton. Three, I don't do this myself, but if you want to show your love and care by hugging a tree, well then go ahead. The first two clearly involve restraint and the acceptance of limits on human demands on Earth systems. As Mahatma Gandhi said, there is enough for everyone's need, but not enough for everyone's greed. This is a spiritual and moral matter found in many religious traditions and very clearly in the Taoist idea that they who know they have enough are rich. This and living according to the golden rule may not be easy especially towards people or living beings who are very different from us. On a personal note, in my morning prayer, I ask for help in loving others as myself and in loving planet Earth, on whose living systems we depend. I address the transcendent source as spirit of life, God of all love, and God of many names, mystery beyond any name. I hope that this daily prayer routine, together with Sunday worship and other practices, including West London Green Spirit, is helping my spiritual growth and the scope of my love and care. Economic growth. This can be defined as the increase in the inflation-adjusted market value of the goods and services produced by an economy in a financial year. Statisticians conventionally measure such growth as a percent rate of growth in real domestic product. Economic growth is not only the concern of statisticians and academic economists, but of politicians. In this country, the major political parties and most establishment commentators assume that economic growth has no limits and that it is unquestionably a good thing. Sometimes this attitude verges on idolatry, the worship of a false god. A related point was made in a sermon by Howard Haig in July 2012. Why the continual yearning for more stuff? Shopping, as many have pointed out in recent years, is the modern religion and the vast shopping arcades are our modern cathedrals. The idea that a growing population can have indefinitely increasing goods and services does not fit with our knowledge of our beautiful, finite planet Earth floating in space. This has been known since at least 1972, over 50 years ago, when the Limits to Growth was published. Many serious and well-researched books and articles have followed since then. 
But do politicians pay attention? The front pages of UK political parties' websites accessed on the 25th of this month show the Conservatives have five pledges. The first two are halve inflation this year to ease the cost of living and give people financial security. Two, grow the economy, creating better paid jobs and opportunity right across the country. This page has the headline slogan, your priorities are our priorities. No references to environment or climate and only a single reference to green technology. Labour has five missions for a better Britain. The first two are secure the highest sustained growth in the G7. Two, make Britain a clean energy superpower. The Liberal Democrats don't have a similar numbered five pledges or missions, but the headline slogan for a fair deal. The most prominent item is cutting household energy bills, followed by a rescue plan for the NHS. The main references to the environment are about preventing water companies dumping sewage in our rivers. The Green Party have the first two items. One, remain and transform, saying yes to Europe and its potential to deliver climate and social justice. Two, grow democracy, unleashing a democratic revolution. Prominent slogans on this page are the Green New Deal and only the Greens say yes to Europe and no to climate chaos. If the party you support or usually vote for doesn't appear to take these issues seriously enough, why not lobby its local or national officials? The text of the service, including the live web links I've used for the UK political parties, will be available on our church website via the sermons heading. I'll conclude with some points on the relationship between spiritual and economic growth. I'm again focusing on the ethical dimension of spiritual growth. Politicians offering non-green and unlimited economic growth are like parents who offer their children as many sweets as they want. The children might be kept quiet or happy in the short term, but in the longer term, they're likely to suffer tooth decay and other health issues. These politicians promote the short-term good feelings of economic growth but ignore the longer-term suffering caused by the resulting increased CO2 emissions and extreme weather events, heat waves, and severe flooding. The only good growth is green growth with economic justice. In the West, party political allegiances can generate as strong feelings as religious allegiances have done in the past. There are a few exceptions, such as Northern Ireland. Environmental and climate issues can also generate strong feelings, for example, in Just Stop Oil and Extinction Rebellion activists. The findings of natural science are widely believed, but many turn a blind eye when it comes to climate change and its causes. 
environmental understanding radically challenges widely held values. The owner of a super yacht or private jet or even a prestige gas guzzling car like a Rolls Royce or Ferrari is seen not as someone to be admired or emulated, but as someone to be pitied for their ignorance of the consequences of their lifestyle. This change in understanding, like a religious conversion, is well expressed by the UU minister and theologian, James Luther Adams. It is a change of heart, mind and soul, total personal orientation. Spiritual growth seems to be unlimited by the planet, only by human waywardness or contrariness, what Stephen Lingwood calls the ambiguity of human nature. I'll finish with a cautiously optimistic thought. The decline in traditional religious practice in this country is partly offset by the flourishing of many new spiritual groups, both in person and online, many with an environmental focus. Thanks, David. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on the subject. Thanks for suggesting the theme in the first place. I think this is one we could return to because growth can be approached from many different angles. But it's time for our last hymn now, and that David suggested this one too. Um, it's on the hymn sheet in your order of service, if you're in the building, and the words will be up on screen. A hymn for trade justice. Um, again, I'm not sure this is a super familiar tune, but it is perfectly singable. Perhaps we can hear this one through as well, Peter. A hymn for trade justice.
So just a few announcements then. Uh, thank you to Janine for tech hosting. Thanks to Maria for co-hosting. Thanks to David for his reflection and for suggesting the theme. Thanks to Chloe for doing the reading so beautifully. Thanks to Abby and Peter for our lovely music. Um, thank you to Carolyn for greeting and to Juliet, who's already getting the kettle on. Both last minute stand-ins this week. Thank you, thank you, much appreciated. Uh, for those of you who are here in person, if you want to stay, I made bread pudding this week uh, to my mum's favourite recipe. I know it divides people, but, you know, give it a try. I made it in honour of Michaela as it's her birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday, Michaela. Uh, do hang around for a cuppa and, and a snack. That'll be in the hall next door. If you're online, I encourage you to stay behind. Uh, I can email you the recipe, uh, but stay for a chat with Maria. We've got various small group activities that go on during the week. If you're here in person, after you've had your coffee and your bread pudding, do come back in here for Margaret's Finding Your Voice singing class at noon. That lasts about 45 minutes. It's a fun and welcoming class. Even if you think you can't sing, there will be something Margaret can do to help you. There are still spaces left for our online heart and soul contemplative spiritual gatherings this Friday and Sunday at seven o'clock. This week's theme is Truth and Lies. And just to trial something for the autumn, we are thinking of restarting once a month an in-person heart and soul from the autumn. Dates are still to be confirmed, but it'll probably be once a month on a Wednesday evening. This week, we've got the Green Spirit uh, Gathering for Lammas. That's online, Tuesday the 1st uh, at 7 o'clock, I think. Uh, you sign up for that with Sarah. If you want to know more about the Green Spirit Group uh, and what they get up to all year round, you've actually got two members of the steering group here today in David and Chloe, so do have a chat with them. The poetry group is on Wednesday the 2nd. Brian's in charge of that. Um, if you want to know more, or if you want to send him your poetry choices, Looking further ahead, we're planning to have our annual Gathering the Waters service on the 3rd of September. That's a traditional regathering after the summer months when people come and go a lot. So if you go anywhere in the next month or so on holiday for a day trip, try and bring back a little drop of water from wherever you've been. And we'll use that in a special ritual on the day. You can always just bring someone from the tap. Um, we're hoping to have a bring and share lunch that day as well. Uh, after the success of our lunch last week, but we need a volunteer to help organise that, to uh, make a list of who's bringing what food, so we make sure we don't end up with a hummus tsunami as we have had in the past. If you might be willing to volunteer, please let me know. I also want to draw your attention to the fact that we're looking to recruit an audiovisual assistant to help us with video editing and occasional tech hosting. The details for that were in the Friday email. We think it's going to be a job of about six hours a week on average, uh, most of it can be done from home, but once a month they'll have to come into the church on a Sunday morning. If you know anybody who's technically capable and might fit the bill, please do pass the advert on. We'll be back next Sunday with another hybrid service, me next week. Uh, the theme is Say Yes to the Mess. Uh, details of all our activities are on the back of your order of service and they're in the Friday email. This congregation has a life beyond Sunday mornings, so we encourage you to keep in touch and look out for each other. Do what you can to nurture supportive connections. Just closing words and closing music now then. At this moment of ending, may there be a good word, a blessing to help us remember what we've so often forgotten. May the message we need be gently spoken and held in the very spaces of ourselves, the fibres that hold all we need to maintain our gentleness our courage and our hope. At this moment of ending, may the goodness we wish for ourselves and each other, this community, 
this ecosystem, this planet, our stardust galaxy, may it become such a part of us that we cannot tell where the blessing ends and we begin. And may it be so for the greater good of all. Amen. Thank mm -hmm. you.